What is up and welcome back. This is Inside Black and Gold. We spent the first segment talking about Cam Jordan and a potential Cam Jordan extension and why it basically has to happen. You know, it's not whether it should or could. It has to happen because the Saints cannot afford for it not to happen based on every salary cap number that that you could imagine. But we're going to get into a live mailbag in the final two segments. This is going to be a bit extended from what we might normally do on on these Wednesday, Thursday episodes. And before we came on, I asked folks to give me their record predictions because I am curious what the general kind of idea is around this team. You know, we talked to Bobby Hebert, and he's one of the most optimistic people out there. He's talking 12, 13, 14 wins, and it's crazy to me because if you had asked people at the end of the 2022 season what this year might look like, what the win totals might be if the Saints didn't fire Dennis Allen, didn't get a new offensive coordinator, didn't do this, didn't do that, Man, I don't think you would have projected a winning record, but now we're in that season where, okay, everyone's saying 12 wins, 13 wins, 14 wins. We've moved past fire o'clock to 12 wins o'clock. And I do think it's interesting. And we've talked a lot about win totals on this podcast. We don't need to go into a ton of it. I did a whole breakdown of how I think the Saints get to 10 wins after the schedule came out. Um, But I I expected to be among the optimists. I expected to be among the, the higher numbers. But, I mean, it sounds like a lot of people think they're going to win 14 games for the first time in franchise history, which, think about that. Think about that. Um, and, and we'll get into it. But we got a few people in here, so let's go through some of these. Austin Kloska says 10-7 and seven is probably the most realistic. I agree. I think 10-7 and seven is where you start because it's where you have to be to, I would say, guarantee yourself a spot in the playoffs. Obviously, you could potentially go 10-7 and seven and miss the playoffs. It's it's not unheard of, but it is rare. When you get to double-digit wins, you are pretty much safe in, in the playoffs, especially in a year where your division is probably not going to put out multiple 10-win teams, right? Like, that's the scenario where you win 10 games and you miss the playoffs is you're in the NFC East from last season, right? Where... The Eagles go 14 and three. The Cowboys go 13 and four. The Giants go 12 and three, 12 and five. And then maybe Washington goes 10 and seven. And they just, they, they catch the short straw because there's a lot of strong wildcard teams. It's not the case very often. Even last year, the Giants made the playoffs with nine wins. So it, it's not necessary to get to 10 wins, but I think it does secure your spot more often than not. Ironically, I think. It was the year that Brett Favre went to the Jets that I think the Patriots missed the playoffs at 10-6. and six. I could be wrong, but I believe that's correct. And it's really kind of fascinating. That was the Matt Castle year where Tom Brady got hurt, at, I think, week one. You know, first quarter, went down with a knee injury, never came back. And, and Brett Favre ended up leading the Jets. But that's few and far between, and I don't think you're going to get that this year, especially not in the NFC South where you'd be lucky. You might win it at... Eight and nine, let alone nine and eight. And here's one, Kivo, 14 and three. I just, it's fascinating to me. It's fascinating that we have gone from where we were at to 14 and three. 10 wins, Rachel Kusumano, I'm going to be optimistic and say 10 wins, but I thought they could win 10 games last year, and we know how that ended. Yeah, and, and I think when you, when you look at this season and you look at how it starts, they have four of six games on the road to begin the season. 
I, I want for this team, <laughs> I want for this team to start hot, right? When is the last time you you got into week four, week five, and there wasn't this massive negative storm forming around why hasn't this team coalesced and why isn't this team succeeding in the way that everyone expected it to? Why is the offense bogged down? Why is the defense getting off to a slow start? Why are there injuries up and down the roster? Why hasn't Michael Thomas been able to get on the field for three consecutive years? You know, for once, wouldn't it be nice to just <laughs> get like a three-game winning streak to start the season? 4-0, and 5-0, and 6-0? and Because I, I would really appreciate that. It would be fun for once to not have to explain why 2-2 two and two is not a death sentence, but that's where we have been at since... 2013, the Saints have not begun a season 3-0. and It has been a decade, a decade since the Saints started 3-0, and and that's crazy. That makes no sense. This is a team that had Drew Brees for all but two of those years. <laughs> oh, gosh. Anyway, we are going forward. One of the other questions I asked was, who are some of the players that you are looking forward to seeing most at OTAs, at training camp? OTAs are obviously not open to the public, so you won't be there seeing them, but we will have three sets of OTAs. They're going to let us out at the first practice of the week this time, so it's a little different. I believe it was the third practice that we got to see last year, so that's going to be the Tuesday practice. So a week from Tuesday, we'll be out there. Then they will have practices Wednesday, Thursday. They will break for a week, and then you'll be back the following Tuesday and the Tuesday after that. From there, you're going to have mandatory mini camp which will be mid-june and then training camp will be late july we don't have the dates for that yet but jerry g pore jr always in here always having a good time says looking forward to seeing Carr and williams and a few others at mini camp and training camp yeah I, you know i think Derek carr is gonna he's gonna be boring at training camp and i say that in the most complimentary way possible is he's just gonna do everything you expect him to do and nothing crazy, you know, because he doesn't have to like training camp is about consistency, not making all these wow throws. And I think what's going to happen is, is fans are going to show up and be like super hyped to watch Derek Carr. And he's just going to complete a bunch of ho-hum passes over the middle of the field. And fans are going to be like, well, what the heck? Why isn't he throwing these bombs to uh, Chris Olave and to Rashid Shahid? And it's because you're learning the offense, the basics of an offense are a lot more complicated than, you know, trying to hit Rashid Shahid over the top. That's the simple part. We know he can do that. <laughs> it's can you develop the timing over the middle of the field with a guy like Michael Thomas, with a guy like Chris Olave, guys that you can throw open. That's what I want to see from Derek Carr. It's not going to be the sexiest training camp reg regiment you've ever seen, but it's going to be consistent, and that's what I want to see. One of my criticisms of Jameis Winston the last few years is the consistency wasn't always there, right? Like you would see him make these majestic, incredible throws, but then you would see just a simple, you know, in route sailed over the middle of the field for no reason. You know, it was just, there was inconsistency and, and that's what this offense can't afford a lot of the time, right? Like it's a ball control offense. It's a possession first offense. It's similar to what the Raiders ran under John Gruden, right? So I think that's what you're going to try to figure out is can Derek Carr be consistent in this offense before you really, before you really take the training wheels off and, and, and let the engine, the engine go. Anyway, I agree with the other one here. Jamal Williams, 
I'm fascinated to watch. I am fascinated to hear from. I'm fascinated to listen to on the sidelines because he's a character. If you don't know anything about Jamal Williams, you'll learn about Jamal Williams because he's going to be talking about Pokemon. He's going to be talking about Naruto. He's going to be wearing the anime headbands, you know, Swag Daddy, whatever he calls himself. I can't remember. Um, (laughs) He's going to be fun. And he's also going to be important because the reason you bring in Jamal Williams this offseason is he's the guy you're going to depend on if and when Alvin Kamara gets suspended, right? Like you brought in Kendry Miller, and I've said this before, Kendry Miller is the long-term plan, right? Kendry Miller is the guy that you'd like to hand the keys over to two, three years down the road, right? He's obviously going to have a role in this offense this year and next year and however long Alvin's still on the roster, but he is not the guy you brought in to replace Alvin this year. The short-term plan is Jamal Williams. And so I want to see him really kind of take the reins, especially I assume he's going to be there at OTAs. I hope he's there. I think when you're a new player, even the voluntary OTAs, you should be there. Um, And I'd like to see him really kind of pick up steam. Just like Tyron Matthew last year. Like Tyron is a guy who, I don't know if he's going to be there this year, but he was there last year. He missed the start of camp, training camp, because he was dealing with some personal stuff, but he was there at OTAs, right? And I think that's important to pick up the offense. We don't know exactly who's going to be there on Tuesday. Dennis Allen would not say. (laughs) I think he is very cognizant of the fact that the only thing he can do wrong in the answer to that question is say someone's going to be there and have them not show up because it just just makes him look dumb. Uh, And I think we have seen Dennis Allen kind of evolve a little bit this year as he relates to the media. And I think that's important. I think you need to see some more personality there. I don't think you necessarily need to threaten your backup quarterback with a Walmart greeter job like Sean Payton did. But I do think you need to be a little bit more forthcoming, a little bit more engaging with how you deal with things, with how you deal with the media, especially in-game. Those in-game interviews (laughs) got to be better. Got to be better than keep doing what you're doing. One note, apparently it's Jerry Poor. Sorry, I've been mispronouncing your name. I was trying to put a little too much French in there, I guess. Rachel Cusimano, the Panthers are supposedly starting Andy Dalton, and we saw him last year, so expect them to win enough games to win the division. I'm not sure what you mean, but yeah, that is something that is fascinating to me, is who starts for the Panthers and for how long, right? Because when you pick a quarterback number one overall, when you trade up to get him and you ship out a guy like DJ Moore, a high-quality player, man... There's going to be pressure to put Andy, I'm sorry, to put Bryce Young in right away. You are not going to get the luxury of like what the Bears did with Justin Fields and Andy Dalton, right? Like you were able to kind of slow play that scenario. I think it was the 10th overall pick, right? Pat Mahomes, I want to say he was the 10th overall pick as well. In that range, the fans aren't going to be clamoring for you to put the quarterback in right away. When you pick somebody number one overall, the fans are expecting a star from day one. And so can you afford boring Andy Dolan? I, like, I feel bad saying it, but he's one of the most boring people I've encountered in terms of, you know, he's, he's very straightforward. He's, you know, I, I, don't, I actually liken him similarly to Derek Carr, but I think Derek Carr as a player is a little more dynamic so, you know, the, the kind of formulaic answers you, you, you can look past. But then 
then again, Derek Carr, if you go back and you watch some of his interviews, you know, he's very animated. He is very outspoken in his interviews. So there's character there. It's not there with Andy Dalton. And I have a feeling if the Panthers go out and lose week one, the noise is going to be very loud (laughs) to get him out of there. So I think it's possible the Saints end up facing Bryce Young week two with Andy Dalton starting week one and struggling. Who knows? I think the Saints are fine either way. I do not think that Andy Dalton is going to show up there and be the answer and win a bunch of games. I really don't. And whether it's Andy Dalton, whether it's Bryce Young, I think you are in a very advantageous position there if you're the Saints. Now, when they meet for the second time, who knows? All bets are off, in my opinion. And that would be week 14 at home. It's another noon start. The Saints have 14 noon starts this season. And, you know, I think that game, (laughs) you're going to see Bryce Young one way or the other. If I had to bet the over-under on how many games Andy would start this season, I'd set it at four. Four and a half. I think there's a chance he gets through the first quarter of the season. Um, If he's 4-0, maybe he wins himself some more games. If he's 1-3, 2-2, absolutely no way. You're cutting bait and you're putting Bryce Young in there. Rachel Cusimano again, do you think we will get picked to do hard knocks this year? I'd be lying if I said I understood the method for how they pick teams. I can assure you the Saints are not hopeful that they get picked from an organizational perspective. I do not think that they want that. I don't know if they have much say in it. Again, I've never had to really dive into it because the Saints have never had it here. But I, I assure you that this regime, this coaching staff, has no interest in cameras following them around in having to watch everything they say and knowing that, you know, any week there could be something blow up that they're not expecting. Like like NFL teams, as much as possible, want to keep everything in a box. They want to keep the storylines around the team, all the complications, as minimal as possible because they want to keep the focus on the field. They want to keep everything in front of them. And when you have hard knocks, uh, it's it's just... It's a tinderbox, and I don't think the Saints want to deal with that. Could they? I, I suppose. I'd, I'd be very surprised if the NFL thought that was their best ratings option for a few reasons. One, if the networks thought that this was a good ratings team, they would have they would get primetime games, and they just did not, right? Two of their quote-unquote primetime games are Thursday Night Football, the games that nobody wants to play in. The games that for a national game isn't really a national game. The ratings are terrible. So, like, realistically speaking, the Saints have one primetime game, and it's Monday Night Football in Week 2, and the only reason that's on Monday Night Football is because it's potentially the Bryce Young game, right? It's It's the Panthers that are drawing that interest for Monday Night Football. It's not the Saints. So if you're HBO and you're looking and saying, okay, who's going to draw eyeballs, right? Who's going to get like create interest? It's not the Saints. It's not. Unless you are looking at it and saying, okay, Derek Carr, Jamal Williams, they had the Lions on Hard Knocks and Jamal Williams was a show, right? So maybe in that sense, you could see it. Cam Jordan's obviously engaging. There are characters in the Saints locker room. But I just don't I don't see them being a big enough draw for, for HBO to be like, oh yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Let's let's bring in the Saints. But but we'll see. Austin Klaska, he wants to see Lucas Krull versus Joel Wilson. So we've we've talked about this. Joel Wilson is actually not on the roster. He failed his physical, so he is not there. Foster Morrow 
on the other hand, has signed. And he is in there. He talked to Adam Schefter earlier this week, a pretty fascinating interview. He said that his treatments were not radiation-related, not chemotherapy-related because the rare form of Hodgkin's lymphoma that he was diagnosed with by the Saints medical staff did not require that. I don't know, remember the name of the uh, treatment offhand, but the first one was like an eight-hour IV session. The next three were shots in the stomach, and then he was done, and he is ready to go. So Foster Morrow, theoretically, could be out there on Tuesday. Will he be? I don't know. But when Dennis Allen was asked whether he could be, his answer was absolutely. So from my understanding of everything that I've heard and everything Foster said, he's going to be there. Or he's at least going to be involved in the offseason programs. Like he said that on Tuesday of last week, he finished his final treatment for his cancer. On Wednesday, he had signed his contract with the Saints. And on Thursday morning, he was out catching passes with Derek Carr and various other members of the Saints. So that is very cool. But Joel Wilson, (laughs) the UDFA out of Central Michigan, did not pass his physical, so he will not be out there. So I think you probably will see the Saints bring in another name at tight end at some point. You know, they did try out two players. They tried out Jamal Turner from Toledo, Stephen Carter out of Nebraska. So who knows? But... I do think the tight end position is going to be interesting because is Foster Morrow that guy? You signed into a three-year, $12 million deal. I think he is. I think he'll be a very quality combo tight end, a guy you trust to block, a guy you trust on intermediate routes in the red zone. And then you have Dewan Johnson as that kind of move tight end. And then Taysom Hill doing whatever you want Taysom Hill to do. I don't know if you want to call him a tight end, but either way, he's part of that room. He's working in that room with those guys. So I think that is going to be an interesting group to watch. Adam Troutman, obviously, is out in Denver now. He got traded during the draft. All right, one more thing we'll get to before we move on. Kevin Thomas Leahy Jr. says, preseason game one, for real, he is talking about the Kansas City Chiefs visiting the Saints Going to be boring. Very few (laughs) starters are going to play. You might see the starters play one series. You might see them not play at all. It's tough to say at this point, but we do know the time. It is going to be August 13th. That's a Sunday at noon. It's going to be on Fox. So we we know when the Saints are going to kick off for the first time this season. Week two of the preseason, they will be holding joint practices with the Chargers and then obviously playing the Chargers in San Diego. That is going to be a week later on Sunday, starting at 6.05 p.m., kind of a weird start time. Then the final game of the preseason, you're coming back home. You're hosting the Houston Texans again. Another Sunday start, that's 7 p.m. That's kind of in, in the last few years, you've seen the Saints play Thursday, Saturday, Friday even. This year, you're all on Sundays. Bang, 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 bang. And so of the, what, 20 games, including preseason, 16 of them are on Sundays. <laughs> which, you know, I, I guess if you're, if you're a fan of consistency, then that's, then that's a good thing. But all right, this is Inside Black and Gold. It's going to be the first half of our live mailbag. I'm going to come back and answer some more of your questions. I've seen a few of them in there. Stick around through the break. If you haven't subscribed yet, make sure to do that. Leave a rating, leave a review. Tell me what you think. Tell us what you want to see more of. I say this all the time. I really do appreciate feedback. It's very helpful in terms of just figuring out how we're going to 
do this podcast going forward because we are going to have some changes We're going into year two. We have survived year one, which, you know, I think is far from a guarantee when you start doing a podcast is that you'll still be around that time next year. We are still here. We're still doing it. Steve is busy today. He's hosting Sports Talk. He had, we had Drew Brees drop out the last second. He was supposed to be on. I think he had a flight delay. So they're scrambling a little bit. So I'm on here solo. But make sure to leave a, or drop your questions, comments in the chat, and we'll come back and answer those. Thanks, y'all. Stick around.